Welcome to this edition of Amazing Creation. I'm your host, Fred Johnson. This show is about the credibility of the scriptures as they pertain to the creation of the world and our origins, and in contrast to the dogma of evolution. The show is produced by the Triangle Association for the Science of Creation. That's shortened to TASC, T-A-S-C, a Raleigh, North Carolina group of scientists and lay folks whose mission is to increase awareness of the scientific evidence supporting the plain, straightforward understanding of the biblical account of creation. Evolution is almost universally now taught in our public schools, colleges, and universities as the origin of all of life we see around us. But there are many, including highly educated scientists, who see evolution not only as impossible, but moreover as untenable when made to stand beside the revealed Word of God in the Bible. Our topic for today is entitled, Creating Hot Christians. We'll be speaking with Dr. Jeff Gift. Dr. Gift has a PhD in chemistry and is a toxicologist by trade. I've known Dr. Gift for over 15 years since he teamed up with us at TASC, and I've always been inspired by Jeff's observations on current scientific findings as they relate to our origins. Many are likely to be familiar with the verse of Scripture that I'm sure inspired today's topic, Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16, which quotes Jesus as saying, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Welcome, Jeff, to the show. Thanks, Fred. Uh, I'm excited about the opportunity to share with you and the rest of the listening audience, my experiences in how knowing the true nature of God, both his power and his compassion, has helped me and others be more of a hot, a hot Christian, uh, be more on fire for God. So, Jeff, what makes you think that lukewarm Christianity is a problem today? Well, I have my own experience uh, as a lukewarm Christian back uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, I was not actively involved in the church, and I know how that felt for me. But I also have experience recently in doing some research uh, and finding out that um, that that wasn't a singular experience, that this is something that other people share. I uh, read recently an article by a Christian, Tom Rayner, in the Christian Post website, uh, he's a well-known uh, church researcher and author, and he stated that, uh, and I quote, few people will argue that uh, church attendance in many churches in America is declining. But as he pointed out, the, the problem is not that there are fewer Christians. A 2007 survey of 35,000, more than 35,000 Americans uh, by the Pew Research Center pointed out that nearly 80% of Americans call themselves or profess to be Christians. So there's not a drop in the number of Christians uh, that call themselves Christians. What Mr. Rayner stated was that the number one reason for the decline in church attendance is that members attend with less frequency than they did just a few years ago. Uh, from annual attendance uh, records obtained from that uh, same article and other articles, Records show that more than 200,000 Christian churches, that's more than two-thirds of the churches in the United States, on any given weekend, there will be less than 25% of the professed Christians in the United States attending those churches. So in other words, it, the problem is not that there's less Christians in the United States. The problem is that there are less and less committed Christians, less and less 
Christians attending church on a regular basis. And I think Jesus would have agreed that that not gathering in his name uh, is an indication of lukewarm Christianity. So, Jeff, if lukewarm Christianity is the primary problem, what is the solution? How can churches encourage Christian members to be more active? Well, Fred, there's a number of ideas about that, a number of opinions. Mr. Rayner suggests that the solution lies in churches running a tighter ship. Uh, he, He proposes solutions along the lines of raising expectations of membership, having an entry class for membership, or monitoring attendance. I personally believe that that's only part of the solution, uh, but and, and not a major part. I believe that the heart of the problem lies not so much in how churches treat their members, but in how they portray God. What is the true nature of God, and are we portraying it correctly or accurately in, in, to our church membership? God should be portrayed, in my opinion, as both a creator and as a savior. And the other aspect of this is that we need to express in our to our churches what God expects of us. I think there's a waning appreciation in our churches today for what he did for us in both creation and in Christ. I think that waning appreciation leads to lukewarm Christianity. If we truly understand as Christians who God is and what he's done for us, we'll want to worship and obey him. We'll desire to worship and obey him in a very fervent way. Lacking that knowledge of what the true nature of God is, uh, we'll turn to idols, money, power, pride, uh, worldly beliefs and habits. 1 John chapter 2 verse 16 states that everything in the world, the the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. I want to talk more specifically about the pride of life aspect uh, that John was talking about here, and that refers largely to the desire for power, the desire to have influence, and to the desire to be well thought of by others. Pride of life has a big influence on maintaining worldly beliefs that conflict with the Bible, and a prime example is the theory of evolution, which is a worldly belief that can keep people, especially scientists like myself, from understanding God's true nature. Jeff, I know you have an inspirational testimony regarding how the existing evidence for creation has helped light a fire under your own walk with Christ. Can you tell us about that? For me, the the last worldly desire, the pride of life, was a big stumbling block, as I said. This pride of life, that desire to be accepted and liked by my fellow scientists, that, that kept me from even considering the possibility that the uh, theory of evolution might be wrong. I became what's referred to today as the, a theistic evolutionist. Theistic evolutionist. So please explain what you mean by that. Sure. As a theistic evolutionist, I believed that God created everything, but did it gradually through natural processes over the course of millions and millions of years. That idea had me thoroughly confused about God. For me personally, I didn't understand why would a God who could resurrect dead flesh and bones instantaneously into a supercharged heavenly being that can walk through walls and fly, why he needed millions of years then to to create fallible human forms. 
how could a god who needed millions of years to create fallible human forms perform any of the instantaneous creation miracles depicted in the New Testament? For instance, creation of fish and loaves from nothing, raising Lazarus from the dead even after Martha complained that by this time there's a bad odor for he was had been in the tomb for four days, healing cripples and blind people and on and on and on, etc., etc. On top of that, Anyone reading Genesis without knowledge of the theory of evolution, without a scientific background in particular, would surely interpret the meaning of the text to indicate that God created the world in six literal days. Hence, for me, if millions of years of natural processes, theory of evolution, was correct, the truth of the entire Bible, Old through New Testament, was, was doubtful. I was lukewarm, a, a lukewarm Christian because I was confused about the true nature of God. And then I understand you attended a conference sponsored by TASC. Exactly. In 1997, I attended a conference developed by the Institute for Creation, Creation Research, or ICR, and hosted by TASC at the Providence Baptist Church here in Raleigh. There I heard about geological evidence that, that fossils and, and geological structures that scientists once assumed took millions of years to form were actually formed very quickly as a result of one or more catastrophic events. Uh, that led me to question my previous beliefs regarding evolution. If geologists could be so wrong about origins, was it possible biologists had gotten it wrong as well about evolution? I then made a trip to the Durham Public Library in search of books on the science of creation and of all the books I pulled from the shelves there, God led me to open a, the preface of one, of one particular book called The Creationists. And as I opened that book, the preface of the book, it fell to the page where the author, Ron Numbers, explained that after all hearing a lecture on the length of time it took for multiple petrified forests to form at Yellowstone Park, he decided, and I'm going to quote here, to follow science rather than scripture on the subjects of origins. And he quickly, through though not painlessly, his words, slid down the proverbial slippery slope towards unbelief. What made that a particular life-changing moment for me, Fred, was that just that afternoon, and I, and I think you may have been at that conference, I had heard a lecture by John Morris of ICR on that topic in which he explained how scientists had proven that those forests, those exact forests, were actually tree stumps that were deposited quickly in place in situ by a catastrophic event such as a flood, and that the sign that was once there depicting the forest explanation has now been removed from the park. This had such a moving impression on me, I immediately fell to my knees in tears and thanked God for revealing to me the slippery path that my overabundance of faith in, in human theories was leading me down. It was then that I decided to put my complete and foremost trust in the Word of God in the Bible. What can we do to help others get off the fence, so to speak, and make the decision to be hot for Jesus' sake? I think we need to help Christian leaders understand the root cause of lukewarm Christianity. And that is not knowing the true nature of God and also, following on from that, not knowing what he expects of us. A lack of understanding about the true nature of God stems largely from 
the raging conflict that exists between the Bible, what the Bible says, and what secular society teaches, particularly with respect to the origin of life. Chapter 1 of the book of James notes that a doubtful individual is driven and tossed by the wind, double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Evidence of this can be seen in statements from atheist support groups such as Recovering from Religion, which states on their website that they receive countless mails and phone calls from people seeking help on their journey away from faith who have come to a point that they no longer accept the supernatural explanations for the world around them. I think when churches teach a watered-down, humanistic version of the Bible, that doesn't help to counteract, but actually fuels these doubts in people. We need to help church leaders understand that there's historical and scientific evidence that supports the entire Bible. Not just the resurrection miracle, but the entire Bible. All of the miracles recorded therein. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 9.10 that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of God comes from knowing him as a powerful God, not just from knowing him as a compassionate God, but also knowing his strength and his power. He's omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. And then if we understand those things, we will, I think, seek more fervently the knowledge of what he expects of us. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Jeff Gift. Perhaps next time we can talk about some specific miracles that God has opened your eyes to through a biblical perspective. I remember reading articles you've written about scientists who have found soft tissue and red blood cells in dinosaur bones. I imagine you take a different view on those findings than the secular scientists who believe dinosaurs went extinct millions of years ago. So we look forward to having you back very soon. And thanks to you listeners for tuning in. You can find out more about TASC and some good information about the scientific study of the world from the perspective of those who take the scripture seriously at the TASC website, task-creationscience.org. That's T-A-S-C-creationscience.org. There you can learn about TASC's monthly meetings, which are open to the public, subscribe to the monthly newsletter, and read and download previous articles. Until next time, this has been Fred Johnson for Amazing Creation.